0: we will make sure you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Welcome back, friends. My name is Meredith Steidler, and I'm your host here at the You Can Tell the Children podcast. Today, you are listening to episode 53, which zeroes in on how to launch our kids well. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. This is a gazillion light years away from my current season in life. But I want you to scratch that thought. Our guest today, Brenda Yoder, mentions right off the bat how every stage of life, beginning in infancy, is an opportunity to teach our little blessings how to grow and go. Brenda mentions that from the moment we bring our child home from the hospital or the adoption papers are signed, God has positioned them to walk out the door. He has created our children for autonomy and independence. But before we cover this topic, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at BibleToSchool.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com. And click on the podcast tab, where you'll find the resources mentioned in today's episode, as well as more info on our guest, her books, and podcast. Of course, you will also find Bible to School on Instagram and Facebook, and we would absolutely love it if you gave a thumbs up to the You Can Tell the Children podcast on whatever platform you use to listen to these episodes. All right, let's listen in now as Brenda dives into the ways we can help teach our children to soar on their own. And one quick spoiler alert, don't steal the struggle is my favorite new catchphrase. Thanks to this interview. You'll see what I mean. Ready? Let's join Corey's conversation now.
1: Well, welcome, Brenda. We are so glad to have you on You Can Tell the Children. You're in Indiana right now. That's that's where your home is, isn't it?
2: I am. Yes. In beautiful Northern Indiana.
1: Wow. Well, we're talking about experiencing, launching children and your own kids and how we can prepare well to do this. Even now, Bible to school, we do elementary kids. Mm -hmm. But tell us a little bit about yourself and
2: your family, Brenda. Yeah. So I'm a mom of four new grandma to two. I've got a brand new, almost two-year-old and his brother oh. who's almost four months, but I have four children. They're all three years apart. So raising them, we always had, we always had someone in a different stage, which was very stretching. Okay. So like I had a high schooler, junior high, upper elementary, lower elementary or preschooler up in through a high schooler. And then we had one out of college, one in college, one in high school, one in junior high. But now they are all adults. I'm a fully fledged parent. Our youngest (laughs) one just got married and he's finishing his senior year. I've got one who is a young adult, lives in Oklahoma City. My second oldest is a dad. So he and his wife have two children. And then my oldest one is my daughter. The other three are boys. And she has been a full-time missionary with back-to-back ministries doing global orphan care. And um, she, she currently is with them at their Cincinnati site. So we've had a lot of really rich, stretching parenting experiences over the years. Wow, you sure have. But let me
1: ask a little bit, since it's right now the summer season and all that fun and stuff, but you like to your vacations. I know from your website, you love vacations, but your family life, they said, is replicated in the TV series, The Middle. Do you
2: have a fun example of this? Yeah, so... You asked me that before we started recording and my mind is just kind of going, I should just preface this with my husband was a teacher and a dairy farmer for years. And the reason family vacations were so important was because it was the only time we got away from milking cows. And so, and I was home full time for the first decade. And then I, I taught for a few years, but we've always kind of raised our family on a shoestring budget. So we did our vacations kind of on this shoestring budget, which made them very adventuresome. And we also usually about day three, everyone had a big blow up, you know, like everyone (laughs) kind of got mad at each other. That's like my house too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And Oh, our trip to Disney world would have been something right off the middle. I can't tell the whole story. It would take up the whole time, but let's just say that, that now that the kids are older, Those memories really build bonds between the kids, you know, Hmm. and, but the series, the middle, I think, well, first of all, it's, it takes place in, in Indiana, you know, right? No, nowhere, Indiana, which is kind of where we live. But I think what I love about that series that really replicates our story is just the, the quirkiness of it all, the messiness the real arguments and the awkwardness of the parents and you know that's that's been us mm-hmm. yeah i think if i describe it all like that my children would probably agree sounds like you're real yeah yeah definitely
1: <laughs> very real definitely brenda you are almost like myself almost at the empty nest season in your home we're talking about transition, all this transition mm-hmm. going on and your books talk through that. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, but how early in life should we be starting to prepare for this season of transition? I mean, would, would parents of preschoolers be interested mm-hmm. in, in, in your recent book, Fledge about that?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, it, Fledge will talk kind of very specifically to that season of when kids are, are literally li- leaving, but I do, I have heard from women who have read it when their kids are younger, how helpful it is because I make the comment that really, from the minute we bring the child home from the hospital or the adoption papers are signed, God has positioned them to walk out the door. Mm. And I I see that even in my grandchildren now, who are babies and growing, and God has created our children for autonomy and independence. He has not created them for us. And so you know, at at young stages, every milestone when that child is heading to preschool for the first time or doing a new, every new activity is a milestone. And as moms, as dads, we have to not hold on too tightly. We have to let them go and grow in that autonomy. And and autonomy is that they are a separate person other than ourselves. And so we still walk alongside them. We still guide them. We just don't throw them out there. We tend to think that independence means that a parent doesn't have any type of input. But autonomy really is about helping our children at whatever stage they are grow as the individual person that God has created them to be and fostering that autonomy rather than kind of an enmeshment where the child is so attached or so controlled by a parent that they don't have a sense of a separate identity.
1: Right, right. We would love to say like, oh, you're, you're like your mom or you're like your dad, which is nice, but they're like themselves. I tell my kids, well, you're like you, you know, you're not yeah. like mom or dad. You're like you. I noticed a quote on your website that resonated really deeply with us. And we said, I mean, our team was looking at this and we said, we have to trust God's work in our children's lives more than our own work in their lives. Mm -hmm. And that just really hits me because you're like you said, you want to control everything. You want to make it all great with them, but their relationship with Jesus is not, not my relationship with Jesus. We can't control that.
2: No. And I first really learned that when my daughter, who was a senior, she was my firstborn, and was looking at colleges. And I wanted her to choose the college that was closest to our area. And she was looking at a college that was 11 hours away. And I was talking with God about that. And I was like, oh, you know, when she comes home, I need to tell her she just needs to decide about this other college. She's not really going to go to that one far away. The Lord just stopped me in my tracks. And I heard this voice inside my heart to say, I'm working in her life. You need to take your hands off because I'm working in in her life. And this farther away college is just a stepping stone to where I'm calling her. And it was a very, very clear rebuke from the Lord. And it was really the first time that I realized that concept of, oh, God really is, he is really working in their life. He is really more concerned and he has a plan for their life that guess what? I may not even know about. But it was a big wake up call for me as a parent. I think even when our children are smaller, to understand that God truly is over and around our children, even as they are teeny tiny. And we can mess up his plans that he has for them if we try to manipulate or control what we think they should be doing rather than, and that's more when they're older, you know. But really, prayer is so important in parenting our kids because God does reveal to us really what is best for our children. And often that is not what we think in our cognitive mind.
1: That is so true. I tend to want to kind of hover and watch. And,
2: mm-hmm. and, and,
1: but I'm not, that means I'm not trusting God with them. I'm trusting right. what I think with them and what, not what God, God's wills. So that is challenging to live, live out daily, I think, what at any age. But like mm-hmm. you said, especially this transitional time. Now, you are a licensed mental health counselor and a school counselor. So I have questions about that because Bible to school, Mm -hmm. you know, we deal with the public school a lot. That's our that's our mission field. I bet you saw a lot of mix of students, man, those who are launching well, those who are kind of falling behind, maybe failing to thrive. What's the biggest difference? I really want to know. What is the biggest difference between these two groups of people that are launching and thriving well that you've seen and, and the ones that are might be falling behind?
2: I think when parents do let their kids explore. And I use a term called don't steal the struggle when they Mm -hmm. allow kids to maybe try something and learn failure or learn that something doesn't quite work out for that child. And this is really any age. I used to work in a fifth and sixth grade building and on, there were 800 kids in that building as a school counselor. And the the first day of school, you know, there were some fifth graders who literally would not walk in the door without kicking and screaming without their parents, Hmm. you know, and at age, age 10, they should be well past that, Mm -hmm. but that shows there's a lot of anxiety that's developing in kids of all ages. And a lot of that anxiety comes from this inability to problem solve and to know that they will make it if something doesn't work out the way that they don't want it to there's so much fear among kids especially our high schoolers from failing a lot of high schoolers currently really believe that they have to have everything figured out and there's this mm. there's this element of performance and and perfection that is crippling young adults and teens so i think as parents i really do think the kids who are thriving actually come from situations at home where they're not coddled and they have, they have to figure things out. They have to problem solve. Mm -hmm. They have to have some of these real life skills that our grandparents' generation had innately, but our generation really has lost some of the most basic life skills that really are crippling kids.
1: Well, it has to be, you have to create a safe space to fail. Like, it, mm-hmm. and cause that's, I don't know about you, Brenda, but I learned the most things I've ever learned in my life through failing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or would you say struggling?
2: Would, I, I love that. Yeah, what, what, yeah. Can you I repeat that? Can you repeat that? What you said? Yeah. I use the, the word don't steal the struggle. It's a term that really struck with me actually in a meeting at a, one of the schools that I worked at, we were talking as staff members, and someone used that, that term of of don't, you know, we need to not steal the struggle. And I thought, man, no, that's exactly what it is. And, you know, for a bird to fledge, so the beautiful imagery around fledge is that it is for a young bird to develop strong wing feathers that are ready for flight. And if we think about that visual image as a parent, that means that little tiny bird has to develop, they have to develop, the capability that they are innately designed with to be able to go out and fly on their own and and fall if they need to but then they have to learn how to gather that strength to then soar and soar on their own and they come back to the nest and it's the same way with our kids but what we're doing is we're if any of us have muscles that we don't use we know that they become ineffective and that's mm-hmm. that's what we're doing with kids. With their social well being, their, their their mental health, with their behavior, with their own internal belief system. And so, if I'm a big proponent of growth mindset, which is about growing, it's not about achieving. And okay. so, you know, you had I just mentioned that. about not using the word failure. So, that's just it is we don't think about winning or losing or failing or succeeding, but it really is about growth. Mm. And so when I work with kids or parents or clients, even myself is just to say, you know, our goal is to grow. And as long as we're growing and we're moving forward, you know, that's the goal. I
1: love that because that takes all the pressure off and, and you can still be a cheerleader. You can still say, I have confidence in you that you're going to figure this out, you know, or you're going to figure out your schedule or not step in and maybe write the paper or I mean, I know I really wanted to do all the projects and that, you know, that when the kids I, I want to step in and cut all the things out for them. Mm-hmm. But you have to let them cut it out. You know, they right. have, to, have to let them do it. So what I'm hearing you say is that you are definitely encouraging people to start launching them at every stage. Is that what I'm hearing you say?
2: Yeah. And you just gave a great example of that. When your kids are are younger and they have a project that they have to do on their own you do not do the work that they're supposed to do. If they're in second grade and they're supposed to cut something out, but it would be faster if you cut it out, I'm sorry. So this is the, this is the, the image I often give to parents of older kids, but it's very, it's very applicable to what you just shared. If what they're being expected to do is developmentally appropriate mm-hmm. and they were doing it in a different space, then mm-hmm. it's appropriate for you as a parent to not step in in those spaces. So if they were in school, And they were supposed to be cutting something out and gluing it on the paper without mom there, but in their class with 20 Mm -hmm. other kids and a teacher, then they should be able to do that there. So if that means that's homework and they're doing at home, then that means they should be replicating what they are capable of doing without parents stepping in. And so when parents are older, I have a lot of parents often ask, my child lives at home or they're home for the summer. What are common expectations? What should I do for rules? And this is what I tell them was if a child was living on their own at college and they were expected to pick up after themselves, do their own laundry, you know, whatever else. Well, then when they're home, have those same expectations, right? When we step in and treat them like we did when they were 16, although they're 21, well, no wonder everyone's saying that the younger generations are entitled and don't know how to adult. Like adult was not that. This is one thing really irritates me. Adulting was not a verb in our generation.
1: Like, that's true.
2: The first time I heard someone say, I don't want an adult, I said, What in the world is that? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. We didn't have that choice. When I was 18, I didn't know that there was a choice. I had to figure things out. Mm -hmm. So, we as parents and grandparents really need to understand that we do our children a disservice when we expect less from them. Than God expects from them in the way that He has designed them developmentally.
1: I very much agree because my kids went to college and said, "Mom, do you know that kid down there doesn't know how to do their laundry?" And I'm mm-hmm. like, "See, I told you that that was mm-hmm. you know a good thing for you to know. But we did have a couple of, you know, laundry that that didn't make it too well when they were learning. Yeah so. <laughs> Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to school kids. How is God able to stay perfect? Our Bible to school kids are often amazed to hear that God is perfect without sin and always has and always will be perfect. After all, we certainly can't be perfect, not even for an hour. That is the beauty of teaching children for the first time about God, who is perfect, loves them, and cares for them. When circumstances in this life feel less than perfect, It brings such hope into their lives to know God is constant and dependable and perfect. Changing gears a little bit, Brenda, I love that we can head on over to your Midlife Mom podcast and we can hear this topic of raising and releasing our kids especially as we learn, I and mean, I'm entering that stage of midlife where as moms, we tend to find ourselves kind of, we, we just, I have older parents. And so we're caring for older parents. We're caring, We're launching younger ones. Talk to us about that. How do you, how do you stay healthy in that kind of environment?
2: I, I think you really have to know how to set boundaries for yourself and with others, but you really have to fight, fight for kind of the same things, realizing what is yours to step in on with your kids, and what is what you need to step back with? And the same thing with your parents. So mm. this is something that we don't talk about a lot, but it really is applicable. Is if your parents can do something on their own, don't always rush in and steal the struggle. So that oh. doesn't mean like we. I I, I want to preface this with every situation is different. This isn't a blanket statement for like too bad mom, you can do that. I'm not going to help you. But there's idea of coddling versus nurturing. And so I think that for us as parents in this midlife season, you can be stretched in so many different directions Yes, that you have to, it's kind of assessing each season. And and, um, Amelia and I do an episode called Right Sizing Your Life. And this is really the principle that I had to realize I was in over the past year of I had to let go of some things that I was doing From the season where all my kids were home, Mm -hmm. that didn't fit in my new season of having adult kids who I have to travel several hours to see, Mm -hmm. parents who are passing away and who need maybe more assistance, and also just my own work life and my own workspace and having a husband that I have to invest more into than I did when the kids were home. Those are all good things, but we can't continue doing what we did maybe five years ago, right? So we have to right size our life, which means cut out what really doesn't belong in this season, add to maybe what does, or maybe just say for this year or for this fall, this is what I'm doing. And then I'm going to reassess. It's a lot of reassessing, mm-hmm. which is different when your kids are right in front of you and you just do what has to be done today, because you truly are your whole person and your priorities revolve around that child or children. Right. You're the caretaker
1: and they need you. Mm-hmm. Whereas with, yeah. with this type of relationship, you are setting boundaries or deciding we, we call it good, better, best. What it's all good, but mm-hmm. what's better, what's best, that gives you margin to be able to assess, you know, what what you're talking
2: about. Yeah. And I think you just mentioned margins, which is another concept that's really important at this stage of life. You really have to have margin. Mm -hmm. And just an example of that, I had been cutting out several things out of my professional life and my personal life, including different writing responsibilities. I gave up a column I'd been writing for 10 years in our local paper because it was one to two hours every month that just didn't fit in my life. You know, I've got grandkids now that I have to drive five hours just to visit. Mm -hmm. You know, on the road, two hours there and two hours back. But then my husband had a near fatal accident this fall and he's fine. Like he, Mm -hmm. he didn't have the injuries that he should have had, but he did have eight weeks of rehabilitation and then a job change because of that. I couldn't plan for that. Right. So, you know, when your parents are sick and you're at the age where small things become big things or because your children are adults and they have major things that are happening in their life. We had a wedding and a baby I wasn't planning on um, Mm. entering into my space a year ago, you know. So I've realized yeah, that they don't, they, right, don't they don't
1: tell you when no, they're going to get married. Don't tell you know, <laughs> ahead of time.
2: So, so those are good things, but mm-hmm. as our families do expand and again, it kind of goes back to priorities. I want to be active in my adult children's life. I just don't want to sit back and say, oh, that's nice. I'll see you at Christmas. But that also doesn't mean I'm going to be there every day. I'm not living mm-hmm. my life through them, but mm-hmm. I do want to be available. And yeah. so that availability means I have to have some margin that is flexible. Right, right. Brenda, that is all such good stuff.
1: I, I really appreciate you speaking to myself and our listeners, all all good things to keep in mind. One thing about your, your podcast we talked about is that I was wondering if you could share with our listeners about, we, we talk about you can tell the children. I mean, how do you, what was your thoughts of sharing jesus with any child in their circle of influence i mean i hear this resonating in your conversations of how hospitality and, and caring for kids and teens and adults in our lives parents how does that all hospitality all impact others for jesus
2: i think it's incredibly powerful because hospitality is about being a welcoming person wherever you go it's not, it's not always about bringing people into your home. It really is about being a welcoming person wherever you go, especially working, I think, in public schools currently. I see there's a lack of welcoming people in our culture and around children. And I think when you are a person who genuinely is welcoming and caring and interested in anyone, whether they're a four-year-old, a 40-year-old, or a 94-year-old, that person receives something from you that they don't receive from someone without Christ. There are some of us who are Christians who may not be very welcoming. We may be judging. We may be unfriendly. So I really encourage people to to really lean into the fruit of the Spirit and to be thinking about telling Jesus, first of all, is about Modeling him to other people. And we all know there's a saying, I don't know who the quote comes from, but people remember more about how you made them feel rather than about who you are. So true. And it's when we make people feel like they are important, that Mm. we are interested in them, we truly care about them as a human being. I am a strong believer that God uses this relational evangelism that we do with people of drawing others to himself through us, we may never even say the word God, or we may never even mention the name of Jesus Christ. And I think that's the privilege I have working in a public school is that I can't, I can't say that name as a school professional, but children know, children know. Oh, they do. They do. I would just encourage parents and grandparents that being a safe place for people, being a safe place for children, No matter what their circumstances is, no matter how gnarly they are, no matter how out of sorts they are, that is an experience for that child that they measure against their other experiences. And when they don't have healthy or safe people in their home or in their community, and even I want to just even say even for church kids, because again, we as Christians, our Christian culture is not very we're pretty toxic right now. If I can be honest Mm -hmm. and children know when there's authenticity and care.
1: Oh, they do.
2: When we are that person, whether it's at a church in their home, just encountering them. If you volunteer in the schools, I love what you guys are doing. I truly believe that it is us being hospitable people, in the name of Christ, letting the Holy Spirit transform us with the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I believe that's what's going to transform our culture and draw people to Christ more than anything. So I really want to encourage people to be a welcoming person wherever you go.
1: Oh, I totally agree. And actually that's how we train our volunteers at Bible to School is to be that person, to be that safe place and be that just kindness just just flow out of them for the kids. So great discussion, Brenda. We really appreciate your time here spending with us on You Can Tell the Children. Would you mind praying for us uh, and praying for our listeners?
2: I would be glad to do that. Father, thank you so much for the ministry of Bible to school and You Can Tell the Children. I just pray for every person who's listening to this podcast that you would use something that has been discussed here for your honor and your glory to draw others to you, to help all of us to be able to open, open our hands when it comes to children, to really release them to you and then help us to be in tune with you for how you want us to interact with that child, whether it's our own, whether it's someone else's child, whether it's our grandchild, help us to be able to point children to you, not to hold on to them or to come with our own human mind of what we think should be done. But Lord, help us to be more in tune with your spirit so that the fruit of the spirit, whether we're parents, a volunteer, um, a neighbor, or a grandma, the fruit of the spirit would be so pleasurable and so, so welcoming to children and other people that it would just draw them innately to the source of those feelings and behaviors and that they would know above all a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that is one that will transform their lives where they would truly feel loved and welcomed and at home. We ask your blessing upon every person listening. And we ask all of this for your honor and for your glory. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you.
0: Okay, friends. Did you catch that Brenda is a licensed mental health counselor and works with kids? She mentioned that much anxiety seen in children and teens today comes from the inability to problem solve and know they will make it if something does not work out the way they expect it to. I know as a mom myself, I try so hard to organize life for my kids in such a way that will help them avoid all strife. So this stuck out to me as golden advice. Don't steal the struggle. Wow, that's so powerful. Just let them mess up and grow from it. I need to lay down that desire to control all outcomes for them and instead pray and trust the one who is in control. I love how Brenda reminds us that God will reveal to us what is best for our children. So what was your best takeaway from this episode? Though the discussion did surround launching our kids well, Brenda also touched on staying healthy as we parent kids while also caring for our aging parents. And then how hospitality is a way of drawing people to Christ. I would love to hear your thoughts, so head on over to Bible to Schools Facebook or Instagram and comment on episode 53, or rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. Also if you want to know where to find Brenda's books or how to listen to her podcast, also, go to bibletoschool.com to find our show notes and get these resources there. Okay, so I'm slightly biased since Lee is a friend of mine, but be sure to stop here next week while Corey interviews Lee Nienhuis about her book, Countercultural Parenting. You won't want to miss it. And until then, have an amazing week. And remember, you can tell the children in your circle of influence about the love of Jesus and help them soar their way to independence.